My name's Liz, and in this little slot, I'll be talking to you about family life, topical news, and Jesus, though not necessarily in that order. As I'm preparing this, the Euros have just started. For non-football fans, that's the European Football Championship. And I should add that I am not a football fan. Rugby is a different story, but I can summarise what I know about football by saying that you have two teams and the aim is to get goals by kicking the ball. That amount of knowledge was sufficient when I was a keen mum, standing on the touchlines in the rain cheering on my sons. Go on, go on, get a goal! Saw me through most matches with the occasional Oh, ref! thrown in when a son was rudely pushed aside. Foul! No, wait, I do know a bit more. Only the goalie is allowed to use his hands. Even I couldn't escape hearing about the infamous Maradona Hand of God goal that he scored in the 1968 World Cup quarter-finals against England. Details courtesy of Wikipedia, I should add. I don't remember that much about it. But I do doubt very much that God had anything to do with it. Anyway, that about sums up my football knowledge. Although football did come in useful in Malaysia, when taxi drivers asked where we'd come from and we said Wales. Confronted with a blank look, we'd add, Ah, uh, Gareth Bale? Ah, Gareth Bale, they'd nod enthusiastically. That said, a few years ago, when my hometown Swansea got into the Premier League and the whole city was enthused with football fever, I felt I should at least go and watch a game before poo-pooing it completely. My younger son has long been an Arsenal supporter. So when there were tickets available for a Swans versus Arsenal game, I dragged husband along with me to see it and explain what was happening. Well, good grief, it was boring. It didn't help that it ended up a nil-nil draw, but nobody even seemed to be trying. Before the game, I can only imagine the coach said, Let's see how often you can kick the ball backwards. Maybe we could set a world record. And there was no atmosphere in the ground. I was told afterwards that was because it was a cup, not league game. But I don't know what difference that makes. If you're a supporter, surely you cheer your team on whenever they're playing. Anyway, before you turn off in disgust at my derogatory comments about football and dismiss me as a stupid woman, let me talk about rugby. Now rugby is exciting. There are tries and line-outs, drop goals and conversions, penalties and turnovers, mauls and rucks, as well as mud and energy and power. I have a reasonable grasp of what is happening during a game, except in a scrum. But nobody knows what's happening in a scrum, least of all the referee. I've been to a fair number of rugby games, mostly admittedly internationals, and the atmosphere in the stadium is charged, and most importantly, good-humoured. Walking through Cardiff to get to the stadium, you're pushing your way through crowds of colourfully dressed supporters of both teams, drinking beer together, singing, and generally enjoying themselves. You see faces painted with dragons, shamrocks, leeks, thistles, even English roses. And the merriment continues through the game and long into the night, regardless of who wins. It's significant, I think, that rugby fans can buy alcohol in the stadium and drink it in their seats during rugby games. 
Since 1985, football fans have been banned from drinking alcohol anywhere within view of the pitch. Although rules have been relaxed slightly recently, they still can't enjoy drinking their seats inside the ground. The ban was introduced to try and prevent hooliganism and antisocial behaviour. Obviously, it was only over the few fan who, fans who misbehaved. Indeed, they probably weren't even fans, but hooligans who only went for the fight. But the reputation of the game was tarnished. I am getting somewhere with this rambling, you'll be pleased to hear, if you're still listening, that is. The difference between rugby and football supporters has long puzzled me. There's a famous quote from Winston Churchill, allegedly, although it was never documented. Soccer is a gentleman's game played by hooligans, and rugby is a hooligan's game played by gentlemen. An interesting thought, but that doesn't really explain the minority of troublemaking football fans. Maybe the most puzzling thing of all is the antipathy between rival team supporters. We all have our favourites for whom we would cheer, but does that mean we have to hate other teams? Most notably, the greatest rivalry seems to be between two local teams. In my case, that's Swansea and Cardiff. Of course I would cheer for Swansea if they played Cardiff. But imagine this scenario. At the end of a season, Swansea has been relegated from the Premier League. They're going down to the league below. But Cardiff City, on the other hand, has a chance to get into it. Do I cheer for Cardiff? Of course I do. Assuming I were a football fan, that is. But I would be happy to have one Welsh team up at the top. But that's not the way it seemed to work. I was shocked to see on social media many of my football fan friends hoping for Cardiff's downfall. And the really shocking bit, they were Christians. Now I have to be honest at this point. I am Welsh through and through and support the Welsh rugby team through its ups and its downs. Every game they play, I want them to win. And I believe they will, even against the incredible All Blacks. The triumph of hope over experience, I have to admit. But the game I most want them to win, or rather most definitely don't want them to lose, is against England. It seems to be the prevalent attitude amongst Celtic nations, and indeed others. The Stereophonics even sang a song about it. As long as we beat the English, we don't care. I claim it's inbuilt in me, in my genes, an attitude of defiance against the nation that kept us under its thumb. Rebellion against the aforementioned Winston Churchill, who sent the army into the valleys when the miners went on strike. Against Margaret Thatcher for closing those mines and bringing about the downfall of our industry and country. The fact that Churchill didn't actually send in the army makes no difference when you have a cause to stand up for. But is my attitude right? I have come to realise over recent years that it might not be. My husband is English. I have two sons, one of whom was born in England and one who currently lives in England. Despite husband's insistence that because they have an English father, they are English, both boys insist they're Welsh and are proud to be. They support Wales over England every time. I recall one year, Elder son and I were watching the England-Scotland game. It was the very last match of the championship and England had won all their previous games so were going for the Grand Slam. It was a close game 
and very late on a Scottish player suddenly made a break and scored a try, effectively winning the game for Scotland. Elder son and I both threw our arms in the air in a cheer. As we did so, husband looked around and scowled at us, and I quickly dropped my arm and made sympathetic faces at him, while secretly still rejoicing. But it's all good fun, isn't it? I don't really hate the English, and it's only a game, not meant to be taken seriously, until some people do. I'm part of the church that meets at Zach's place in Swansea city centre. And one evening, when I must have been being particularly gloaty, Sean Stillman, who leads the church, pulled me up on it. What, what you're saying about England? Why isn't that racism? I shrugged. It's not racism, it's just fun, I don't mean it. But I started to think about what he'd said. I hate racism. It's abhorrent to discriminate against someone on the basis of their skin colour. And it can't be racism because we're the same skin colour. But really, was my attitude to the English any better? In his Gospel, Luke tells us that Jesus told a story about a Jewish man who was attacked on a quiet road. He was left to die on the side of the road. Two people passed him by. They're both Jews and men of good standing in their community. They no doubt believe they have good reasons for not stopping. Fear of being attacked themselves, maybe. Or maybe they have important appointments to keep. Maybe they tell themselves that they'll alert someone when they get to town. Get someone better equipped to come out and help the injured man. Then, probably as the man was about to give up hope, another person approaches. He's a Samaritan, one of the Jews' most hated neighbours. He doesn't hesitate but stops and helps the man, putting him on his donkey and transporting him to an inn where he pays the innkeeper to take good care of him. This is how Jesus tells us to treat our neighbours, with help and support. In Zach's Bible study, we've just finished working through Paul's letters to the church in Rome. One of his main reasons for writing is to deal with the ongoing grudge war between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Each group thinks it's better than the other. Paul makes it very clear in the course of a very long letter that neither is better. Sadly, still today we see the same attitudes in some churches. Conservative churches look at their liberal neighbours and tut, and vice versa. A sense of disapproval because they do things differently from us. I said just now that Jesus tells us to treat our neighbours, or enemies, with help and support. He also said to love them. I know as well as anyone how hard that can be, but I am trying. These days I can cheer for England and even, almost, actually want them to win. Unless they're playing Wales, of course, when husband and I take up seats at either end of the sofa. But that change in my way of thinking is slow and hard. But just imagine a world where we all loved our neighbours. Truly loved. What a world that would be. And maybe it needs to start with you and me. When Jesus said to love your neighbour, he added an important bit at the end. Love your neighbour as yourself. Now, loving yourself is a whole other story. And something that a lot of us struggle with. And maybe I'll talk about that next time. For now, thank you for listening. <laughs>